Okay, welcome back to Think Torah. We're a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network. And today we have an awesome series, which I want to start and begin the journey of, and it's called Around the Shabbos Table. There are a few implications of that name. One is that the best Shabbos table were those that I grew up with, with my father around the table. And I'm going to allow him to explain the process that he went through in his life that made that so significant and important that the Shabbos table was a place where even though growing up the way we did with the community we did and the guests we had, it was our Shabbos table, a core message of this of this series. And because of that, I get to do this with my father around the Shabbos table, discussing ideas and Torah concepts. Another another um, significance is the better word here of the reason why I like to call it around the Shabbos table is because we grew up, my father was a pulpit rabbi, and he would always say that he's given his drasha in shul. And if you wanted to hear his drasha, you can go to shul. And the Shabbos table wasn't a place for a drush and, and, and chumish taira and um, expounding on the psukim. It was a place where we get to experience the Torah and experience uh, Judaism and life and conversation. And that was, that was an important message, A, just on all of my tables, not just my Shabbos table. Every conversation I have with anybody is inspired by that. And specifically my Shabbos table, I feel that the best Shabbos tables are where there's no formal Dvar Torah being said. Uh, my cringiest moment at a Shabbos table is the, no, you have a vert in the parsha, You could shoot me. I'm done. I'm out. So with that, I want to bring you this series where I, we sit down. It's going to start with my father and I, and it's going to become, I would love to have it guests at our Shabbos table, um, whether it be family or other guests. And the idea is to give you, the listener, something to take home and an idea maybe that you can discuss at your Shabbos table uh, and inspire those that you're with, not by the Dvar Torah and the genius of your understanding of the Torah, but of how it applies to your life and to our lives. So with that, Welcome to the Shabbos table, Daddy. So I think that if this is going to be a series, then we need to start off with a little, a little foundation, a little bit of fundamental things. And, and really, I think, a, a history of our Shabbos table and of what everything you said means. <laughs> because if you listen to that just, just you know, in a vacuum, that can be pretty scary. Like my cringiest moment is when somebody says, say a fart on the Pasha. I mean, taking out of context, that's a little scary. You know, I want to talk about sports. I don't want to talk about the Pasha. But but it's not that way. And and let me tell you where how our, our table developed. Um, 30, let's say it's about 30, with, with, with Rebetzin with, with Weinberg. Rebetzin Weinberg, about 35 years ago, there was an Aguda convention, uh, 33 years ago, there was an Aguda convention in Los Angeles. I had just started in um, in San Diego, in La Jolla, and um, I, it was all very new to me. It was all Bali Chuva. 
you know, every Shabbos table was just, were, were not religious people and people that were growing in, in the Yiddishkeit. And I remember going to this Akuta convention, Mami and I went, um, and we went because it, it was just, it was a place where Rabbanim were going to get together, the Rashiva was going to be there, and, and they were going to be, it was going to be a great chizik for me. I, I, was, I was like a fish out of water a little bit, and I just wanted to, to feel like back home. So I ended up spending a good amount of the convention with the Rebetzin, with Rebetzin Weinberg. And, uh, you know, talking about living out of town and, and, and all those things. And then she asked me, what does my Shabbos table look like? So I said, well, you know, I have a lot of guests. We have varied kind of guests from all over. And um, I said, my guests sit, sit around us and then my children are there around the table. And she looked at me in absolute horror. She said, where are your children? I said, you know, they're, they were at the table, whatever, sitting down, they were little kids, you know. She said to me, no, no, your children have to sit right next to you, and then your guests start. Then she said to me, what do you do with your kids at the Shabbos table? So I said, you know, just make sure that they don't destroy anything. Like, what, what do I do with my kids? You know, we had a couple of rambunctious boys, and, you know, just wanted to make sure that everybody and everything was still intact by the end of the meal. She said to me, that she said, she spoke about Rabbi Yaakov, and she said that when the children were young, he used to play a game with them, 20 questions. And she described the game to me. She went through the whole thing, how you play it. And, and she said, did you ever consider playing this game with your children? And then she said to me, there's a book, 1001 Questions in Judaism, which today happens to be three volumes, maybe more. Um, but she said, you know, you could play games from this book. So after a long discussion, I realized what the table needed to look like. And from the next Shabbos, the kids sat next to me. We played 20 questions. We we, we um, played this book. And it's incredible. If you ask your, your older siblings who Avram Avinu's mother is, I'm Talia Baskarnevo. Right? And they know, like, They'll just they'll spit it right out because that was the first question in the book, and and they, it was stumped them and it made them crazy, and until they finally figured that and they never forgot that. Growing up out of town, there was a lot of a lot of finesse, a lot of fine things that they didn't have. You know, they had the, the chumash and the, you know you guys had all that, but but the fine things the, in the yeshiva environment that if you grow up in that you get that they they didn't have any of that. But through this book, this through these questions, they picked up. So much of those ideas, it was amazing. And the Shabbos table then started to develop from there. You know, the parasha stuff was all, you know, stuff they would bring home, we'd ask questions, and then invariably, the adults would get involved in this also. You'd ask the kids a question, and then the adults would, would ask their questions. And we would, we would every Shabbos talk about the parasha, but not as a vart or not as a drasha, but as questions that people had, thoughts relating current events back into the parasha. And it was none of this hocus-pocus kind of, you know, touchy-feely kumbaya stuff of, you know, what do you have to bless God about this week? Which, I, I really, I don't mean to make so much fun of it, but there's other ways to get to that place, to get people to talk than, than to have to, to do that stuff, which very often when you talk, you know, you're like, I was at a table and people would ask the question of, you know, why do you love this community? So who, why is that important? That, that's not, that's not a, in, a, in a public setting. Talk to people about what do you think is the Torah perspective on 
on these things that happened this week, these incredible events that are going on, like these these world events, these these weather events, these the, these earth shattering things, and and people would explore Torah philosophy and Torah ideology and understanding through politics, even through through sports, through events. So if you weren't if you weren't in tune, you would look at it and you'd say, "What are they talking about the Shabbos table?" But every single conversation was really about a Torah outlook and perspective on on issues. And invariably, we would say vertloch, and we would share Torah, but, but it wasn't a formal thing. This wasn't a Shabbos class or a Torah class at a Shabbos table. It was a Shabbos table where we experienced the week, we experienced life through the eyes of Torah, and that's what the discussions were. I remember very clearly two, two important like memories, but um, which which become like philosophies, but I remember people very clearly telling over their their tshuva stories and their their experiences coming closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, coming closer to the Jewish community and to Frumkite, and they were open. It was an open table for them, and they felt comfortable um, exploring that with with everyone at the table. And that was an amazing. That's an experience because you walk away from from listening to somebody like that, and you're like. Wow, that they can do that and they can be so open and, and comfortable with it. That's amazing. That's one concept which, you know, we I like to ask my family, what were your experiences during the week and what were your struggles with Yiddishkeit and how did you overcome them? Because um, that's an important time over food. You know, talking about that is important. And I also remember um, pushback to this that I remember one time later when I was older that one of my the conversation at the Shabbos table once turned into an important, and I could edit this out if it needs to be, but um, an important discussion on the Torah's view on homosexuality and transgenders and um, other current ideas and concepts that are in our society and in our world. And I remember that one of one of my siblings had pushback to that, and they didn't appreciate that the Shabbos table should look should be talking about things that are antithetical maybe to Torah to Torah thoughts. And I said, in my mind, it was very clear that A, maybe from pulpit a rabbi wouldn't get up to speak about this. And B, if if we're not talking about what's important to the Torah and what and how to strengthen the Torah's concepts at our Shabbos table, then what are we doing? And it's so important. These are this is Torah. This is the way that we learn it and we experience it is through these things. And there's really nothing off limits. As you know, we get to grace each other Shabbos tables and uh, there is nothing off limits. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. But I think that, that what you're saying is tremendous. And all of that really gave rise to this idea, your idea of around the Shabbos table, which is really taking issues and ideas, feelings, thoughts, and and trying to 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 put the light of Torah on them and understand how we're meant to look at these things through the through the prism and through the, the the light of Torah and through the eyes of Torah. And I think that that's an important thing. It fits very much into your whole MO of this um, of this podcast network of of you know being of being intentional and being conscious and being thoughtful and, and aware and in mindful of the things that are going on around you. And um, and I think that that's I think that this is a, a really an important um, an important exercise around the Shabbos table. To, to bring to, to bring this method of dealing with things 
to you know out into the public that it's not just it's not it's not just through Torah you then make a connection to the world. You look at the world and you see that in the eyes of the Torah. You see that in in the way that the the Torah wants us to look at it. Okay, so that was that was our intro um, to around the Shabbos table, and I'll, I'll bring up a concept that I was working on this week. Um, so this week, Reb David, Reb David Feinstein was nifter, and it was interesting. It was fascinating process for me to to hear. Obviously, um, when you spoke about it, and many people spoke about him, and also the the um, comparisons and 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 uh, and differences between another another uh, Torah scholar um, who who passed away this week, Rev, uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Um, who was also Nifter. And it's interesting to see how the two, the the differences between them and the comparison and the, you know, what they did, what they added and what they gave to the world and people's reactions to them. That was a fascinating experience. There was one thing in particular about Rub David that I saw and I went through a little bit of a process with and I want to share that process with you and see what you say. So here's the, I'll present it to you. There was a question in, it looks like, um, I don't know if you saw this, but in Country Views, and it said, fun question of the week. If you could have three dinner guests, anyone from the beginning of time, from Tanakh, from history, music, sports, relatives, politicians, etc., who would you invite? And um, obviously, they, and then they, they had, they, um, they aggregated all the answers from maybe 10, 15 people. And it was fascinating to read them as you go through them. Um, you know, Alicia and Elio, and why would you have Alicia? Why wouldn't why wouldn't you? Uh, I asked that. Why wouldn't you have Elio? Why do you have Alicia, Avram, Moshe, Aaron? Everyone had famous, um, a lot of Torah scholars that they would want to learn from. And then stuck in there was Reb David Feinstein. Did you see yeah. this? Yeah, it was okay. And Reb David powerful. said, "I would find three Aniim, three Aniim poor people." Okay. So here's my here's the process I went through. Right away, it's. Holy cow! You know this—that's—that's that's a guttle. That's unbelievable. Somebody who thinks outside of himself doesn't think about, um, you know, who would he have his table. He thinks about who he can give. What is a what is a table? It's giving and it's having guests, not for yourself but for them. So so find three on him and give to them. Then I look back at the other answers and I say, you know, what Narisha answers. Because everybody else is answering things. What's like what childish? Once you read Rudavids, you look back at everyone else. You're like, wow, like how how selfish, right? Quote unquote, that they're they're just thinking about themselves. Like everyone should have been like Rudavid. Then and then you say, but this is not so selfish. These people are saying, Alicia, Avramavinu. I mean, these are <laughs> these are noble answers. These are people who are thinking about Torah. These are people who are thinking about Judaism and God. And who can they have at their table? They didn't say necessarily, um, you know, Bob Marley, which is probably what I would have said. They they said these people were big people. These were great people thinking of great opportunities they could have to speak to anybody and the questions that are burning on their mind. And that brought me back to David to say, so then he he didn't get, he didn't answer, first of all. But second of all, he, his answer is, Interesting, because the question is, if you can be in a position of taking and of appreciating and of asking and being the taker, who would you take from? And he said, I wouldn't. I would give. And that's a fascinating thing is that 
I don't know this to be true about Reb David, but I think um, after I go through this whole process, I then see how far removed I am from his answer that he would never, he, if I can give you, if, if we would tell Reb David that I would give you Moshe Rabbeinu, Alicia, and, um, and Avram to be at your Shabbos table, he would say, Rabba, but give me, give me three Aniyam. And if that, if that's true, then that shows how, like, uh, such a different wavelength that I'm on. Because right. I think that me taking is giving. You know, by me, by me speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu, so then I can give back to everyone else all these wonderful ideas that I gleaned from him. But he's like, no, you giving is giving. And we're in a, we're in a different world. So that, that's my process. And you can attack my process at any, at any point, but... So I think that when we look at I, when I looked at that, so I, I read through everybody's answers, and um, and, I, and I found them very interesting. I don't really, don't necessarily want to talk about why I found them so interesting, but I knew a lot of the people, and and I found the the answers were some of the answers were textbook answers. You know, it's almost as if this is what I have to say. It's not it's not creative answer. I'm not thinking about it. You're just asking me, and I'm telling you these are the, obviously you're asking me who are the three giants of our past that I would want to be there. And these are the three giants of the past that I would want to be there. So, so Shine. Um, there were a few of them that thought that one of them said, you know, my father and um, it was, it was my father, my grandfather. I think that, that those that thought about it for a second were the answers were reflective of their values. And I think that that's what, that's what Reb David, that, that's what came out. And, and what I've been hearing everybody saying is that we spend a lot of time, we do this with our G'daylim, that in general, especially when they are halachists, when they're, when they're poskim, so then we, they're godless in our minds is their piske halacha. But that's not their godless. Reb Dovid, that, that was his, that, that was that was sort of in, in, that what came out of him. He was a gadol b'tayra. He was a, a gadol in psak halacha. He was clear in those things. But that's not, in, in, a, in a hespid, that's not the kind of hespid values that you really want to talk about. You, you, you know, it's, it's a big thing in our lives, but it's not the, it's not the be all and end all. Who he was as a, as a mensch. And he was so much that way that when you asked him one of these free association questions, his automatic reaction, non-thinking automatic reaction was, I want three anim at my table. That was that was the purest reflection of the kind of person he was. You know, one of the stories they told about him this week, that art scroll was on its way down, and he he gave art scroll, he lent them twenty five thousand dollars, which in in the days that he did, I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, he's a rev, right? Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't rolling in the bucks, buddy. He was, you know, that, that's, that, that, that was because these were his values. Uh, Uncle Shui said that, you know, that, that it's, it's all about the Midos. It's all about the Midos. And that's, and that's what came through to me when I read that. <clears throat> there was no shtick in that answer. There was no anything. This was just hit me in the knee and my knee goes up. You know, you say to me, give me the name of three guests, Larry, Moe, and Curly. Three poor guys. That's it. He also gave a textbook answer, because and this was his textbook. Text was his textbook. 
That's amazing. There were, That's amazing. There are so many stories that are so moving from him. I, one of the things that was very moving to me was when they talked about, and I mentioned this in the in the Hespit, but when they talked about what they asked Mechila for, that his family did not ask Mechila for what they did to him. They asked Mechila for not being a reflection of all the things that they that he taught them. And those th- th- those things were chesed and and kindness and patience. Though that's what he stood for. That's who he was. That that okay. Well, then it's a good thing I joined you at your Shabbos table because that changed my perspective on it. Um, definitely, it definitely changed my perspective. So I appreciate that. And that's the uh, and that, my friends, is the point. That is the point. Is that when we sit at a Shabbos table and we sit open and ready to hear. Um, we can we can change our perspective and we can hear something through through the words of uh, of conversation and through the words of the Torah. Can, can, I'm just going to throw one thing in. There is sometimes much more to be learned from from processing, like we just did, of of a little back and forth, a little a little um, uh, you know development of an idea, than there is from somebody at the table telling over a machshava on the pasha, which is a beautiful thing. But but sometimes it's hard to zone in. It's hard to, they're not so articulate. It's hard to grab what they're trying to say. But from these kinds of conversations, there's sometimes, sometimes more practical things to get and to be able to walk away from the table from with a sense of really being inspired. Thank you for joining us at our Shabbos table. Stay tuned for next week's Around the Shabbos table.